0: got a, uh, a quote here that I want to go over with you. Go ahead and put that up there if you would. The clearest sensation that a human being has when he experiences the holy, we're talking about holy today, and you got to get this in your mind, is an overpowering and overwhelming sense of creatureliness. In other words, that is when we are in the presence of God, we are humbled and become more, most aware of ourselves as creatures, This is the opposite of Satan's original temptation. You shall be as gods. When you see a holy God, you all of a sudden realize you're not in his category. I've been telling you for several weeks now, there's there's two categories of beings. There's God by himself, created beings, everything else. Creator, created. When you see God's holiness, all of a sudden you realize, I'm just a creature created by that God and, and it will change you. Now, I want you to say this to me. I want you to say, you make a lousy God. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Say it. Thank you. So do you. All right. Let let me read you this, and then, then we'll talk more about it. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Why? without holiness, no one will see the Lord. If if nobody's going to see the Lord without holiness, then we better figure out what it is. So I want you to imagine for a second that we have been following the children of Israel. You and I are on this documentary film crew, and we're interviewing the Israelites after they've come out of Egypt. We've walked with them through the wilderness. We've gone through the Red Sea. That's just really cool. That's some great footage. Let's just admit that. We get to Mount Sinai, and it's called the Mountain of God. And while we're doing our our man-on-the-street interviews, we've done hundreds of them. and, And Day, you know, it's kind of a regular day if any time you have two to three million people in the wilderness camping out can be called regular, right? There were two to three million israelites they're camping out they're in tents for over 60 days we've been doing this for 60 days and so it's it's the end of a regular day you're about to call it quits and then all of a sudden thunder and lightning and and earthquake begins to happen on mount sinai called the mountain of god and so somebody says it's the real god and all two to three million people fall on their faces in fear including you and me because we're on this cruise. so we're down here we're in fear but being the hardened news reporters that we are, we realize this would be a great time to get an interview about what the real God is like, so we crawl around. Hey, dude, what's the real, what's the real God like? Do you think anybody on the ground paralyzed with fear is going to go, oh, you know, the real God, he's my homeboy. He's just the man upstairs. We're tight. I think anybody with a brain is going to go, get that microphone out of my face, you idiot. We're about to die. We're in the presence of a holy God. Don't you care? You see, I think that you and I, 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 don't, I know it. We've lost the sense of God's holiness. We rush into the presence of a holy God and we demand that a holy God do what we want him to do. That's not how it works. Can I suggest today that we need to get this back, this holiness, because every time you meet someone in the Bible every time, and they see God face to face, they're on their face. They're paralyzed with fear because he's a holy God and they're not. And, and see, it's because, I think it's at least partially because we are in a physical world and we see things. We don't see the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, God's holiness is on full display. And we're going to read about it in just a second. And, and anytime one of those creatures stepped into our world, it was so otherworldly that people fell down and said, I'm a dead man. Because the angel, even angels would say, fear not. First thing, because these people were scared to death. Every person fell on their face because they were not holy. God was. And if you see God, you will fall on your face because you're not holy. And he is. Isaiah, the prophet said this in Isaiah 64, we are all infected and impure with sin when we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Anytime someone begins to give you their resume on how righteous they are, when I hear that, in fact, I heard that this week, somebody gave me a resume of of how righteous they are. I do this and this and this and this, and I thought, apart from Jesus Christ, your righteousness is filthy rags. Here's what Isaiah says. Like autumn leaves, we, you and I, wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. The best, we can, the best I can do on my best day by myself is filthy rags that are just going to blow away. See, holy means several things. We're just going to run through these. Set apart, distinct, different, separate. Literally, it means a cut above everything else in a category by itself. And when you see a holy God, when we see a holy God, we are undone. I'm going to read about that in a second. So the last, what, I, what I want to ask is when's the last time you were undone before God, face down, begging God to forgive you of your sins because you knew your sins would destroy you in the presence of a holy God. We need to know that Jesus is our friend. We sang that song last week. What a friend we have in Jesus. Great song. We need to know that. But we also need to know that God's holy, because most Christians' lives scream, I don't believe God's really holy, even though the Bible says be holy because I am holy, God doesn't mean that. It's more of a guideline. It's more of a suggestion. See, I think most Christians can live any way they want to, and God has to forgive us because he's a good God, and he just wants us to be happy. If you believe that, you do not understand the holiness of God as he's revealed it to us. See, the first time it ever shows up, the Israelites had just come across the Red Sea. You remember they're on one side, God parts the water, they walk through on dry ground. They're over here, they turn around, they watch, and Pharaoh and his army come in, and God brings the water to crush them. They die. And so what happens, as soon as they're watching that, they sing a song, and it's called the Song of Moses. It's in Exodus 15. And if you read in, in Revelation, you'll find out that this song of Moses is being sung in heaven right now. That's pretty cool. makes it pretty important to me. Here's what it says. Exodus 15.1. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord because he is worthy of great honor. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. And then he asked this question, are there any gods? Notice that's a lowercase g. Are there any gods like you, Lord, uppercase G and that uh, uppercase L that actually means his covenant name, Yahweh. Is there any like Yahweh, the holy God? And then he answers, there are no gods like you. And then he says, you are wonderfully, what is that word? holy. The first thing they thought of when, when Pharaoh was destroyed is what a holy God. We serve amazingly powerful and workers of miracles. See the, the simplest way I can describe this to you is holiness is absolute absence of evil. It's the absolute absence of evil. And the reason you and I can't, uh, can't comprehend this is because that word absolute we, whenever we're talking about things, we tend to do degrees like good, better, and best. I was at Discount Tire this last week, and and they actually had a display in there, good tires, better tires, and best tires, and and of course the price is lower, higher, and best, and I think best actually means best for them because the price of the tires, right? There's degrees there, but when you're talking in Hebrew, the language of the Hebrews, um, you, you don't go with good, better, and best, you repeat something. That's how you make sure that people know that this is better than anything else, you repeat it. And so we come across this in in these two passages we're about to read, where, where they say, holy, holy, holy. Repetition represents maximum quality. He's not just holy, he's holy, holy, holy. He's the best. So let's read it in Isaiah chapter six, verse one. It was the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Isaiah is speaking here. He was uh, sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. I'm going to come back to that train of the robe. remember that, but we'll talk about it in a second. Attending him, God, were mighty seraphim, each having six wings with two wings. They covered their faces with two. They covered their feet with two. They flew. They were calling out to each other. Holy, 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 not just good, better, best. Above all the rest, holy is the Lord of heaven's army. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation and the entire building was filled with smoke. At that moment, Isaiah sees the whole thing and he goes, oh no. And what he actually says is, I am undone because I live... I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. That's pretty powerful stuff. Now let's jump to Revelation where John has a vision of what's going on in heaven. He says, I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circle, uh, emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Now you remember Noah saw the rainbow after the storm here john sees the rainbow around god's throne before the storm of revelation where the where the tribulation comes and and god comes back and he destroys all of his enemies he sees the the rainbow before and then if you read ezekiel ezekiel sees a very similar thing where he sees this throne and he sees a rainbow he's in the midst of a storm and here's what it means god gives you promises god gives you rainbows before in the middle or after storms to let you know that he is in charge he is holy Then look what it says. 24 thrones surrounded him, God, and the 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. Then he talks about these, these living beings, and here's what the living beings do night and day. Day after day, night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who was, who is, and who is still to come emphasizing holy, 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 emphasizing what? That there is none like God. He is the most holy one. So I want you to get this picture of God seated on his throne, most holy, angelic beings crying out, holy, holy, holy. And then you'll understand that, that meeting God is never a casual event. Never casual. See, when we see God for who he really is, we see ourselves for who we really are. And, and because of how far short I fall, when I see a holy God, I'm not going to compare myself to John Colander because I'm undone. And, and quite honestly, God, you deal with John. I'm, I'm undone. And if John sees God, he's, he's not worrying about Doug. God, I don't, I don't even care about Doug. I love Doug, but I don't care about Doug because I'm undone. You see how churches get their eyes off of God and on one another and they start casting stones? you who are without sin, cast that first stone. You won't do it if you see a holy God. If you are are openly living in sin, it's because you haven't seen a holy God. See, Moses meets God, boom, he's on his face. John, Isaiah, Daniel, they all meet God. Whenever someone meets God in scripture, Bam, they're on their face. They are undone. So when was the last time you were on your face begging God to forgive you because you are a sinful person and you deserve hell? That's what happens when you see a holy God. Look what, in Revelation, let's finish that story. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor, so they've already cried out, holy, 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 and everything is shook in the temple... Uh, when the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, and this is actually John's parentheses here, the one who lives forever and ever. In case you don't know who we're talking about, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, just in case you don't know who we're talking about. And they lay their crown. So we're told that Christians, faithful Christians, get a crown as your... your reward in heaven. And here's what you do with your crown. Whenever they cry out, holy, 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 you take your crown off, you lay it down and you say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. Let me give you just real quickly, some things that ways that God reveals his holiness to us. Number one, it's through places. This is what scripture teaches us. Remember when Moses met uh, God, it was at a burning bush. Uh, A few seconds before that, the bush was normal. When God showed up, the burning bush became holy because God was there. In the Old Testament, he told the the Israelites to build this thing. It was basically a portable worship center. It was a tent, but they called it the tabernacle. And before God showed up, it was just a big tent. But when God showed up instantly, that place became holy. It could be the temple in the New Testament, or or, or when Solomon built the temple um, in Jerusalem, God told him to build the temple, but it was just bricks and mortar until God showed up and it became a holy place. It could be a former skating rink that has been renovated into a worship center, and it's just a former skating rink with carpet on the floor and painted walls until god shows up and then it becomes holy and it could be your body because the bible says do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have from god and you are not your own for you've been bought with a price by a holy god therefore glorify god in this body you don't get to go where you want and do what you want if you're going to glorify a holy god wherever god shows up it instantly becomes holy Second thing, God reveals his holiness through the law. The first four commandments are all about the holiness of God. The first one he says, have no other gods in my sight because there aren't any. And he says, I'm holy, there's only one of me. Second one, he says, no graven images or no idols. He said, don't try to reduce me to some picture you can draw or some little thing you can manipulate and put up on a shelf. He says, I am not contained in those types of things, so don't make any types of idols. Third, he says, my name is so holy, I don't want you to ever use my name in vain because it's a holy name. And then fourth was about the Sabbath day. God says, I want you to take the seventh day of the week and I want you to remember it as holy. He said, I created everything there is in six days. And on the seventh day, I rested. So he said, the way you're going to honor me is you're going to take one day of the week and you're just going to set that aside for the Lord. You're going to work for six days. And on that seventh day, you're going to just rest before the Lord. You're going to worship him. And he says, if you'll do that, I'll bless you in six days. You'll do more in six days than any other person does in seven days. It's kind of like the Chick-fil-A principle nowadays. You know, the Chick-fil-A refused to even open uh, on the Super Bowl Sunday in Atlanta. They had the, their concession area. They wouldn't open. And god has blessed them. That's the idea i'll bless you in six days more than other people can get done in seven days If you'll honor me now in the new testament Nine out of ten of the ten commandments are repeated for the church. Do you know which one was not repeated? The sabbath day you want to know why somebody say yes Because in the new testament they switched from the sabbath day to the day Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. He was raised on the first day of the week, and the very, very first disciples began to worship him to celebrate resurrection day every first day of the week. So it's not an accident that that's not uh, commanded in the New Testament to keep the Sabbath because worship went to the Sunday. The first four commandments are all about your relationship with God. And if you get that right, then you'll get the other relationships right. The next six, if you want healthy relationships, he says, honor your mom and dad, don't commit murder, don't lie, don't steal, don't commit adultery, and don't covet. If you get the first four right, treating God as holy, you'll get all the others right because you'll, you'll treat people well because they're made in the image of God. Now, third, God reveals his holiness through the prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah, you name all of the prophets. Daniel, A prophet's job was really simple. Tell the Israelites, stop worshiping idols. They kept doing it. Throughout the centuries, they kept doing it. It's a message you and I need to hear. Basically, they said, go back to the first four commandments, do those right, and you'll quit worshiping idols, and you'll be right before God. Get those right, and it leads to everything else. Jesus actually said... When he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You do the first four commandments. Then he said, number two is love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and prophets revolve around those two things. Love God, love people, and you'll be all right. The prophet's job was this. It was to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. See, they were always sticking their noses right in the middle of where God told them to stick them. And they would say, don't you people understand God is holy. Your sin has caused your unholiness to come into conflict with his holiness and you're going to lose. But God wants to bless you if you will confess your unholiness. He wants to help. But if you keep flaunting your unholiness in his face, if you're basically telling God what he can do with his holiness, then you're going to lose that battle. How'd the people respond? This over and over, Israel, how'd they respond? Why don't you stick your message in your ear? Cleaned up for church. I would have said rear. Casey would have said something else. Um, no, that's the animal. Sorry, you wouldn't have said that. You, you were talking about the animal. Sorry. When the people rejected the message of the prophets, God revealed himself in another way, his holiness, and it's through wrath and judgment. When, when we discovered that Hannah had appendicitis, this was several years ago, we didn't know because she, she has a high pain tolerance and we didn't know that she had appendicitis. When they finally discovered it and we got her admitted to the hospital, the doctor said, well, I'm gonna try the scope first because she'll recover very quickly. He got in there and he realized her, her appendix had burst and, and she was close to being septic. And and so what he did at that moment is he became ruthless. He cut her so that he could get both hands in there. He said it was a very tricky surgery because the, the appendix was wrapped around. It was burst. There was poison everywhere. He had to be ruthless and he had to attack what was killing my baby. Had he not attacked it, my baby would have died. When he came the next day to talk to us, he kept saying death. You don't realize how close you were to death. I'm like, shut up, dude, because this is really making me unnervous. He, uh, uh, it's unnerving me because you, you're talking about my baby girl would have died if he had not attacked what was killing her when god discovers something that's killing you when god discovers something that's killing a church when god discovers something that's killing anything that he has created he will ruthlessly attack sin because of his holiness you need to be very very careful when you're dealing with God's holiness, let me give you an example. Acts chapter five, the very first sin in what was the very first church in Jerusalem happened um, because somebody wanted to appear holier than thou. And so what's going on is this guy named Ananias and his wife Sapphira, they, they sell some land and they bring it to the church, to the apostles. They give them the money, but they lied about how much money they got. They kept some back and, and here's, here it is in, in Acts chapter five, verse one. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, the back story is in Acts chapter 4. There's this guy named Barnabas, and that's not his real name. It's, it, Barnabas means son of encouragement. This guy was always encouraging everybody. He's like the guy you go to church, and you know they're going to give you a hug. then You know they're going to pat you on the back. You need anything. That was Barnabas. So, the, there was a severe famine, very, very uh, severe famine in Jerusalem, the early church and so what they were doing this new organization called the church people were selling things anytime they would hear of somebody having a need they would go sell something they'd bring the money to the apostles they would give it to poor people so that they could pay their bills they could buy food whatever they needed to do it was a great idea and the church was supposed to do it government was never supposed to be in in charge of of welfare it was the church and this was a great idea and everybody heard did you hear what barnabas did barnabas sold barnabas gave all of that money to the church And Ananias and Sapphira had an idea. Well, let's go sell some land. Let's let's just pretend that we we got this much money and we'll give them part of it and we'll keep part of it back and we'll look holy in front of others. They decided they could make a mockery of God's holiness. They treated God as someone he could fool they could fool they treated his bride the church in a way that dishonored the church and what they and everyone else in the church discovered is God will not be mocked verse 3 then Peter said to Ananias how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land I I, I bet he he, I, I bet he said huh didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't that money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down dead and died. An understatement of the year. And great fear seized all who heard what was happening. If I just told you somebody lied and they were dead at the back door, I think <sighs> Either you're on your face going, ah, it's the Holy God, or you're running. Ah, it's the Holy Either way, you're running. Three hours later, his wife shows up. And Peter says to her, God, be careful whenever whenever an apostle asks you a question. He said, did you sell the land for this amount of money? She goes, yes. Yes, we did. And he said, seriously? The same men who just buried your husband are at the back door and they're about to bury you. She falls dead. And look what verse 11 says. Great fear... Seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Do you think honesty and integrity became important values in the first church? I think God loves us so much that when we step outside of his boundaries, when we get outside of his holiness, he brings circumstances to bear to bring us back. Um, He brings judgment into our lives. He'll he'll use your finances, your circumstances, your relationships, whatever it takes to get your attention and bring you back. And I just got to tell you this. I think some of you are flaunting your unholiness in the face of God, and it just might get you killed because the scripture says there is a sin that leads to death. You only get away with it for a time, and then the holy God will judge you. Now, I want to say this. You don't. You don't have to have it all together, but don't you fake it. Stop faking it because the Holy God is not impressed and he knows the difference. Don't you dare come to God like you're ordering at Taco Bell. Cause see the way you treat this Bible, the way your attitude towards this Bible is the same attitude you have towards Jesus Christ. Cause he is the word of God. Oh yeah. Uh, I'll take, I'll take numbers one, three, and seven commandments, please. And you can keep the rest. And would you hurry it up? Because I got to get out of here. We rush into the presence of God. We pick and choose whatever we think we're going to do. And God says, that is not, you are not in charge. I'm holy and you will treat me as holy. The way you live tells everybody else what you believe about God. Sixth way he shows his holiness is through his son, and, and we're going to look at this in our small groups tonight, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but think about his holy birth, the fact that he, he was born of a virgin so that he wouldn't have the sin nature of a father, um, his pure sinless life, everything about Jesus was holy except his death, that was unholy. When he hung on the cross, he was covered for an instant by unholiness. Your unholiness, my unholiness was placed on Jesus. And that's why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Another translation says, why have you abandoned me? For the first time in eternity, God the Father and God the Son were separated because of unholiness. And the scripture says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us. Either either you're, you have to stand before God and say, here's my best, it's filthy rags and it's full of sin. Or someone else who is perfect and sinless has to impute their righteousness to you. He made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You can't become the righteousness of God by yourself. It's only through his son, the holiness of his son imputed to you. Then when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees the holiness of his son. That's why it's imperative that you have to come to Christ to get to heaven. And the last one, God reveals his holiness through the people of God. Okay, back to the length of the train in the temple. Remember, it says that that God was on his throne and the, the seraphim were flying around crying out, holy, holy, holy. And he said, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The length of your train demonstrated to everyone your status, your power, your position. So if this is the temple and the temple will actually go further out, if this is the temple, God's seated on his throne and his train goes all the way to the back. And when these these angelic beings cry out, holy, 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 and the earth shakes and smoke fills the temple, what do you think about the power and the majesty and the holiness of the one sitting on the throne? Do you think do you think he's holy, holy, holy? Yes, I do too. And that's when when God doesn't give you details. The word of God doesn't give you unimportant details. When he tells you about this, and when Isaiah recognizes all this about God, here's how the New Living Translation says it. It's all over. I'm doomed because I am a sinful man. God showed him specifically what his sin was so that Isaiah could confess that sin and God could cleanse him from that sin. See, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, it's going to be very specific. You did this and you need to confess it. You did this, you need to confess. it. It is very specific sin. And when I confess that and I say to him, I'm sorry, please forgive me. He covers me with the blood of Jesus and restores fellowship. Last week we were watching Waylon and I showed you a picture a couple weeks ago. He was, had a broken leg. He's now out of his cast. Woo, yay. Um, but we're, I, I'm holding him up because he has the, 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 it comes all the way up to his thigh. And so he can't really stand up, but he would try to stand up. So he's, he's playing with all these toys and he's standing up and i kind of holding him from behind. And when he gets going, man, he just starts chunking stuff. I don't know what he's looking for. He's just throwing stuff. Well, he hits me in the head with one. And I said, Waylon, stop it, that hurts. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, Papa. And I said, that's Okay. I instantly forgave him because he was sincere. He knew he heard me and he's like, I'm sorry, Papa. When when God wants you to be restored in fellowship with him, he will tell you specific things. And when you come to him and say, Father, I'm so sorry. I did not mean, well, maybe I did mean, but I didn't like doing it. Maybe I like doing it. I don't know. When you specifically confess your sins, he he restores you. Now, here's the deal. When the enemy comes to you, he doesn't give you specific things. He uses something called condemnation. He says, I condemn you for this. It's very vague. It's very general. For for example, um, um, well, you're a lousy and you fill in the blank. Go ahead and put that up there. So here's how he does it with me. He whispers in my ear, you're a lousy dad. He whispers in my ear, You're a lousy husband. Not specifics. You're lousy. He says, You're a lousy pastor, and he condemns me. And you know what happens if I accept that? If I receive the condemnation from the enemy, you know what happens? I walk away from God because I think I I don't deserve to be in his presence. It makes me not want to pray, it makes me not want to read my Bible. If I receive the condemnation, but I don't have to receive it because look what Romans eight, one says, there is, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to whom to those who belong to whom? So if I come to Jesus and I I confess my sins and he adopts me, there's no condemnation. (laughs) So when, when you're condemned, you have to use the word of God to fight the enemy. In a couple of weeks, we're going to sing the song, um, I am who you say I am, God. Not who my neighbors say, not who people around me say, my enemies, not even who Satan says. I am who you say I am. And the bridge of that song says this, I am chosen. Okay, maybe I am a lousy dad, but I'm chosen by the king. I am not forsaken. I am who you say I am, God. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. And I can look at the enemy and I can say, be gone because I'm a son of the king and you have no power here. Get your condemnation away from me. If you're a Christian, you are a son or a daughter of the king and you don't have to take that garbage from him because a holy God says, I've got your back. Every command in scripture is given by an absolutely holy God who in his kindness wants what is best for you. He wants to prevent you from being hurt or damaged. So his, his rules are for your good. And I said it like this, holiness is wholeness. You're complete when you have God's wholeness, holiness applied to your life. And the last thing I put on there was holiness is for your health, your benefit, your health of mind, your health of emotions, your health of spirit your health of relationships. The holiness of God is for you, not against you. Just be very careful you, you don't profane God's holiness or you don't flaunt your unholiness. I'm gonna pray and, and, and we're gonna be dismissed and, and we're gonna play again that song, Closer to Your Heart. I've probably listened to it 150 times since Hannah first uh, introduced that song to me and, and, and it's just kind of a theme for me that... No matter what, what's going on in my life, God keeps drawing me closer to his heart. Whether you see it or not, it's irrelevant. It's whether my Father in heaven sees it and is pleased with me. Let's pray together. Father, forgive us when we take your holiness lightly. Forgive us when we get on our high horse and we begin to judge others because we think we know what their motives are. We think we know what their hearts are. And we pronounce judgment as if we're God himself. Forgive us for that. And remind us there is none like you. You're kind and you're tenderhearted and you're good and you're sovereign, but you are also holy. Remind us of the danger of flaunting unholiness in the presence of a holy God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.